Michigan's Children proudly presents Speaking for Kids, the podcast where we explore crucial conversations impacting the lives of all Michigan children, youth, and families, especially the most vulnerable. Join us each month as we explore public policies and issues in the best interest of our kids and families. We'll bring you lawmakers and policymakers, advocates fighting for change, and the people most affected by those decisions. With our host, Matt Gillard, president and CEO of Michigan's Children, we'll invite you to become engaged too and show you how to take action on what matters most to you. Episodes are recorded live and shared virtually on YouTube and the audio hosting sites, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Hello and welcome back. I'm Matt Gillard, the president and CEO of Michigan's Children, and this is our fourth episode of Speaking for Kids. We're recording this episode on July 23rd, 2021, and thanks for joining us. For every child in an after-school program, three more are waiting for a slot to be open, according to an American after, America After 3 p.m. report. Demand is growing, but how's Michigan's supply shaping up? Uh, especially now, coming off of the pandemic, we know that student needs and, and learning recovery is going to be is as important as ever and will be as important as ever as we move forward. So today we're going to explore that topic on this podcast, and we're lucky to have two outstanding guests. We're joined by uh, two advocates who've been immersed in this work of after-school and program development and youth development for years here in Michigan. First, we have Fran Talsma, who's the executive director of the State Alliance of Michigan YMCAs. We also have Matt Watrous with Government Relations for the Boys and Girls Club of America. They're two people I can attest to have a keen understanding of the after-school landscape and, and programs in Michigan, uh, and are really at the front front and center and leading the charge for more advocacy efforts around this issue. So welcome to you both. Fran, let's start with you. Fran, let's start with you and kind of uh, maybe explain to us a little bit about your role um, at the WISE and you know the where where you see uh, the whys and you particularly engaged in the advocacy opportunities around after school here in Michigan. Um, sure. Thanks, Matt. And good morning, um, Matt Watrous. Um, and to everyone who's listening, I um, work on behalf of all the YMCAs in the state of Michigan. So we have 27 independent YMCAs in 63 locations, but we have probably over 200 program sites. So that includes camps and community centers and schools. So the Y is really border to border in the state of Michigan. And um, pre-COVID, we had 83% of um, people in the state of Michigan lived within five miles of a YMC program site. So it gives you an idea of kind of the um, the breadth of our program offerings. So at the Y, each Y is run independently by its board of directors, along with its CEO, but we committed to one another about 10 years ago to elevate collective work. And that is where I came in. So I joined the State Alliance 10 years ago to work with state partners as well as national partners and our local YMCAs to find work that we could amplify and raise up across the state. Most of this work has been in youth development, but we also um, have a lot of um, activities around um, healthy living for older folks, such as diabetes prevention and fall prevention and things like that. So really the full um, age spectrum. So I'm happy to be here. Great, thanks Matt. Thanks Fran. How about you, Matt? Yeah, good, uh, good day. Thanks Matt and thanks Fran for joining for this conversation and to our listeners. 
Um, I've had the privilege of being with Boys and Girls Clubs for over 15 years at a variety of levels, both at the local level, at the state level, and now with our national office uh, for Boys and Girls Clubs of America. I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I get to support both the state of Michigan as well as uh, other states in the Midwest from a government relations standpoint. And just like Fran indicated, um, we're similarly situated. The clubs are across the state of Michigan. We have 43 program sites that serve approximately 73,000 youth annually um, and uh, provide a variety of, of after-school, out-of-school time and summer programs for, for our members. Um, and advocacy is something that, you know, has been a priority for us, um, both for, for elevating uh, the youth that we serve, but also working closely with our partners. And I've appreciated working with Fran on joint advocacy and working with the Michigan After School Partnership on joint advocacy in the state and really looking for an opportunity to uh, raise the issues that our young people and the families that we serve face. Um, we really start from a, a place with a vision that no matter where you are, no matter the zip code you live in or what circumstances you come from, we want every youth to have the opportunity to succeed in life. And out of school time really can be a place to level the playing field in that respect. Um, and we see it as a continuum of care uh, for school age youth, protecting the investments that have been made in early learning and then preparing kids for post-secondary opportunities in life and adulthood. And so um, we appreciate the opportunity to raise our voice along with others to do that work in the state of Michigan. Yeah, no, thank you. And I, I appreciate the framing as well. We've used that frame often at Michigan's Children is is kind of viewing after school, especially in the early elementary years or elementary years for children as an insurance policy, if you will, on the, on the pre-K investments that the state has made. Uh, you know, I think the state and previous state leaders and, and, and current state leaders deserve credit for the investment that they've made in, in high quality pre-K opportunities for children. But uh, we think it's important uh, to recognize that that investment alone is not going to to lead to the outcomes that everybody wants, that we need to provide those same supports and services for children as they uh, matriculate through the K-12 system um, that you know, we're now providing to them in the pre-K side. So let's get down to the nitty gritty a little bit about where we're at right now in the state, state budget process, uh, maybe some of the mixed uh, results we've seen to this point and where we think things are headed. Um, so both of you, you know, this is this is an issue not like not unlike um, a lot of others where you know there's a, a concerted effort or a larger group calling for statewide funding in a particular area, but then you also have individual organizations or entities or programs that advocate for for funding for them, uh, you know, in addition to that or um, also, and so. Uh, where we're at right now, the state legislature, as you know, has agreed on a school aid budget for the next fiscal year, um, but has not agreed yet on the departmental budgets. Um, there was some money allocated to both of the programs that, that you guys run um, in that school aid budget, but there was also a significant push for or being made for significant statewide funding that also would have benefited your programs and others um, that did not make it in uh, to, the, to where we're at now. And so... What do you think, um, where do you think the landscape is or where do you think the real opportunities are for getting more public funding into out of school time programs, um, whether that be state or federal and, and kind of where are the roadblocks as you see them right now? And Matt, we can start with you, I guess, on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I mean, I think the thing that uh, benefits out of school time is the outcomes that organizations like the Y and Boys and Girls Clubs and others can prove to, to lawmakers. And so, and I think we also need to recognize the, the, the small win in the in the pool of resources, the $5 million pool that Mass really helped to spearhead that went to MDE and it supported both the Y's and Boys and Girls Clubs as well as, as many other providers. And so we had a small victory there in that work. Um, but I, I, I think really it, when we do advocacy at Boys and Girls Clubs, it's like a choose your own adventure uh, playbook. We uh, can do career readiness programs. We can do you know, early learning and liter literacy programs. Um, we're doing teen initiatives. We're doing healthy lifestyle initiatives. Um, you know, we, can, we, we know that we can leverage the scope and scale of our footprint um, and, the, and the dosage of time that young people have in our programs to really um, accomplish any number of, of impact areas or outcome areas. And so when we approach advocacy at the federal or state level, we look at what are we hearing from our community about the needs and what are we hearing lawmakers talk about wanting to address? And so you know, we then we can pivot uh, well to those areas of focus um, and try to address it. And, and we'd be remiss in not highlighting you know, what's going on in the pandemic. You know, our clubs and, and YMCAs have stepped up during the pandemic to provide academic support, to provide mental health services to children daily across the state, often, um, you know, especially in this last school year and even in the spring last year, open when a lot of other institutions couldn't be open um, for a variety of reasons. And then our clubs and our programs, you know, they provided virtual learning support. They opened the club during the day, during the school day when we would normally wouldn't be open to have young people come into the club and sit in front of a computer or interact with staff or go to the gym for recess and have that support. So we are constantly in a state of motion in addressing and responding to needs that young people face and then working with our elected officials to say, you know, how can we partner together? How can we work together? We're not doing this alone. They're not doing it alone. Um, and we see that most poignantly probably with school systems and how we can work with school systems. That's, no, that's great. Um, Fran, what about you? Kind of on the same topic, same idea. What do you think from the wise perspective? Or do you have anything to add to Matt's answer? Well, to answer the question that you ask about funding and different, you know, avenues toward funding, um, I think that there, you know, I, ideally, I think sustainable funding will come out of a statewide commitment. And so whether those that's federal dollars that are funneled through the state or the, you know, generating a statewide fund for out of school time, that is community based out of school time. So obviously, a lot of money went into this year's budget for schools to deliver after school care. But I, you know, have, you know, I've said this before, Matt, when we've been in other meetings, but we are emerging out of a pandemic, everyone is battered and bruised. And we're also emerging out of really a decade or more of scarcity. And so these partnerships that need to exist between schools and community-based organizations like Boys and Girls Club, like the Y, like independent um, organizations, can't be created overnight and they need to be lifted up. And so to me, if state funding isn't gonna happen, I think there needs to be um, some sort of um, memorandum of agreement or um, uh, that, or memorandum of understanding that dict not dictates, but that streamlines and facilitates real partnerships. So um, that would be a, this, a second way to get these programs funded. I think that it's really important to recognize that 
community-based organizations like Matt and and the Y um, represent the communities that they serve. So each one is unique, but we also need to elevate the quality and certain standard characteristics of these programs. So um, you can look for local funders, you can look for businesses. Um, You know, this utilization of after-school keeps people at work. And so it is a really important, you know, industry, or it's really an important thing for um, the folks um, who are trying to keep their jobs or the industry who's trying to keep workers at their jobs. Um, And then the other thing is that we need to realize that we're a charity. So no child is turned away for their ability to pay. And so we are filling a need in the community that is... um, that is vital. It's vital to these kids. It's a lifeline. So in our programs, we're not just um, providing after school time, but we're also making sure their families are okay, that if they need to be connected to, uh, you know, a food bank. So there's so many wraparound services and kind of addressing the whole child issue that those things are critical as well. So I think that, you know, the funding streams are varied, just like the program delivery, the components of our program delivery is varied. But ultimately, we need a commitment on the state level for community-based out-of-school time in order to not always be the last consideration. And, um, you know, I, I speak on behalf of Matt Watrous and the Boys and Girls Club. Our mission is to serve, but we need to be respected in that service. And there needs to be equity in the infrastructure. And right now, that's what I think we're facing. I see so much money going into the schools and we want to partner with the schools. Like we, we're all in it for that. But there needs to be equity as far as the service providers with getting the support. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. And you know, we've all been a part of numerous meetings and conversations about this uh, over the last several months, but I think you hit right at the crux of it, right? I mean, we're, we're coming out of a pandemic. We know that, that learning loss, learning recovery, all of the things that, that out-of-school time is so good at and has proven that it can be effective in, in solving are going to be huge issues. Our huge issues now and are only going to be greater issues as we learn more about um, you know, where kids are and the academic impact of the pandemic on children. And so it just makes so much common sense. So then, but I think, you know, that, that that should be a priority of whatever we're talking about as as investments or solutions to the problems that were created by the pandemic. But I think you're absolutely also right that, you know, we've had a decade of scarcity um, with schools, with everything else leading up to the pandemic in, in the last 10 years or more, especially in Michigan. And so now we're seeing this unprecedented level of public money, at least, you know, at least in recent times, unprecedented level of public money flowing into uh, these entities or these systems. And so it just seems like it's such a no brainer and should be such an easy fit to try to figure out how to, to utilize these new public dollars into programs that we know can work and help solve the issues that they're trying to be. But it's proving to be challenging because of the the political power of some of the interests, uh, because of the situations I think that that the the school community has been in for, like you said, for the over the last decade. Uh, and I think also the speed by which the you know um, government officials are are being pressured to get this money out the door and get things happening. Um, all of that leads to it being, I think, real challenging uh, to look at. A, a at least for folks, it's it's seeming to be too challenging and more challenging for for uh, elected officials 
especially at the state level right now, to kind of uh, envision what what seems to make sense to a lot of us on, on the advocacy side. Um, but we're going to keep plugging away. And I think you're right. I mean, the, you know, the reality is the schools are going to be a part of this. The school community is incredibly important. Um, and in a lot of communities, uh, um, you know, it will be it would be a real asset in a, in a true partnership model with community based programs like you run um, to, to provide supports and services in the most effective way possible to families uh, and kids who need them. And so um, what maybe, Matt, from your end, what uh, what are you seeing happening in some other states uh, around this issue that may be something we can look at or build upon or or uh, think about when we're continuing these uh, these efforts here in Michigan. Yeah, that's a great question. I just want to also sort of add a couple of thoughts to the to the conversation. I mean, I think one uh, one advantage is that kids are a bipartisan issue. You know, everyone wants to be pro kid, and we found a lot of success working across the aisle. And and you you wouldn't believe it, but I've been in D.C. events where leaders in both parties are up on the stage together. You know, hugging, shaking hands high-fiving and congratulating everybody for supporting kids. So I think we have that advantage. The other thing I would say in Michigan is that there's a mandate from Congress on using these resources to target out-of-school time programs, community-based programs, and summer programs. And so as we think specifically about deploying stimulus resources that are, you know, sort of sitting there ready to be allocated, you know, we need to remind our leaders here in Michigan what we see coming out of DC in, in the application of these resources. And, uh, and I think continue to march forward in that in sort of a bipartisan way and recognize that we still have some bites at the apple with future supplementals, right? So we're, we're seeing the same thing in other states. I mean, there's a, the speed of adoption of spending these resources varies considerably and, and, and the mechanisms vary considerably from, from, from um, the executive branch handling almost all the allocations to the legislative branch handling almost all the allocations. And um, I think, you know, looking at the, a couple of the wins that we've had even in Michigan with the school aid budget as a starting place and with the, with the early supplemental that put resources at MDE as another starting place. I mean, I think we need to build off of that. And I think one thing that's been really powerful with the pandemic uh, has brought these providers together. I mean, I'm working more closely with the YMCA both in Michigan, but in Oregon and in other communities, we're working with the after school network like we've never worked with them before. So this has forced us to, to go beyond the quote-unquote partnership and to get real about collaboration. And so when I'm, I'm seeing that in other states, and that's been really powerful, and my hope is that that will continue, and that, that um, as we return not to the new, old normal, but as we define a new normal post-pandemic or through this next phase of the pandemic, that we really lean into collaboration more. And through that, I think we can make the case and achieve some of the goals like what we've asked for with, with Michigan After School Partnership, which is a significant investment in, in out of school time. And we would be remiss to not say that Michigan uh, state budget does not put resources in out of school time uh, on an annual basis. There's really limited resources there. So th this is their time and the need is there for them to make, to make that call and to put that in there. And that's what we're gonna keep pushing for. Um, and, you know, there, and there's other examples and I kind of highlighted in terms of like where we pivoted in response to the community need. And we've, we've had a lot of success at Boys and Girls Clubs. And I know with our, our partner at the Y and other states of, of drawing down um, new money, both state budget money in the state budget cycle, as well as federal stimulus money that they've appropriated in the last um, 15 months in and through this pandemic. Um, and so 
we want to build up that success. And, and, and certainly we talk to mass and we, we share, you know, this is what they're doing in Minnesota, or this is what's coming out of Washington or North Carolina is doing this, this thing. And we've really um, realized that Michigan leaders don't need to reinvent the wheel. If, if, if we have solutions, we have the model, we can show them how to do it. And, uh, and we're prepared to do that. And we need to just do it, you know, smarter and stronger with more voices elevating it. Um, and to add on, well, just to add on to what Matt said, so, you know, the, 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 it, over 53,000 kids have become like detached from the school system during the pandemic. So if we are only looking to, um, you know, to support kids through the school, then we're missing a wide swath of kids. And so community-based organizations that are embedded in the neighborhoods where these kids live, that are near the places where the, their parents or caregivers work, that's the way to get to these kids. Um, and if school, if that's not working, try a different approach. And it might be the Boys and Girls Club or the YMCA or the Boxing Club in Detroit. It could be something else that connects with these kids that makes a difference. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, even within the K-12 community on how, you know, how we evolve or how, how the situation evolves post-pandemic, right? And do all those kids come back or, or do more kids opt to, for other options, uh, learning options, whether it be online or virtual learning and other things um, as we move forward. So, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm glad also, Matt, that you mentioned the bipartisan nature of this. I mean, this is very similar to, you know, Michigan's Children does a lot of work on child care issues, and we're seeing tremendous bipartisan support um, on child care issues right now, a lot of it being led by the business community, frankly, um, on, you know, the, the Republican side or on the right. Um, but it's it's an issue now that that is just it's people are understanding from all different angles how important it is. And I think that, you know, the after school uh, um situation is very similarly suited. They also serves, you know, childcare needs as well for working families. Um, but I just think from the learning standpoint um, as well, I think it's very similarly situated. So uh, no, that's good. And I, and I think you're right. I think this is just going to be an issue that we're going to have to keep, keep hammering through, keep getting people to understand um, and keep, you know, really pushing on our state leaders to uh, make this a priority. And that's, you know, I think we're, you, you mentioned the Michigan After School Partnership. That's a great organization that we're all a part of um, that is leading a lot of these efforts uh, at the statewide level. Um, and I think that's something that, uh, you know, certainly this is an issue that Michigan's Children is gonna continue to focus on. Um, and we think has a, a real opportunity for, uh, to, for, for significant, uh, for a significant win for children and families, I guess is how I would phrase it. If we can get um, you know, our state leaders now and, and our federal leaders to continue to recognize the importance of this invest, these investments in this program. I think we could see a real game changer for a lot of kids and families uh, with some significant statewide support for out of school time. Um, well, anything else, you guys, this has been great. I appreciate your both, both your time. Uh, anything else, you, any closing words you want to add um, as we wrap up here? Well, one thing I would like to share is that Michigan was invited to be part of a nine state consortium that is working with the US Department of Education, taking a deep dive into out of school time and summer learning. And so this is a three year commitment. Um, nationally, the Boys and Girls Club is also part of it that we have a Michigan representative on our team. And the, the teams were brought together by the Michigan Department of Education. And I think it's really valuable to recognize that of the other states that I've met, so I'm participating 
on it. So I've met you know most of the people from the other nine states. Michigan is the only state that reached out to community-based organizations like the Y and Boys and Girls Club to be part of this team. So I think that speaks to the opportunity that we have right now to really move the ball forward. And I think that it's you know most likely probably the um, superintendent, the state superintendent of schools that is um, leading this work or thought to do this. But I wanna give a huge shout out to the Michigan Department of Education because they get it and they see us as a partner that can make a difference. Um, so there, I, I believe with the funding, if we keep hammering this in you know, to our lawmakers to understand the difference between community-based organizations delivering out of school time versus schools doing it, that they're complementary, but they're not the same thing and that we really do have value to deliver in this space. I, I love that, Fran, and um, thanks for sharing that. And I, you know, the other thing that occurred to me um, and that we've been talking about in our work, both in Michigan and other states, is that we're really open to the conversation on growth. I mean, we're, we're hungry to serve more kids. Um, we're hungry to meet the need in the communities. Like, like uh, Fran had indicated around scarcity, there had been a long time of limited resources and growth was hard in that environment. But um, right now we're looking at how can we grow into new communities and, and where can we support kids in new and different ways? So that's one thing we're thinking about as we think about you know sort of next steps. And then the other thing, I would be remiss if I didn't share a story. We haven't shared one yet. I brought one to the conversation um, from one of our clubs in, in Benton Harbor and they described a young seven-year-old uh, club kid who's a boisterous young man, a toothy smile that brightens the darkest day. But, you know, he struggles with reading and math. And, the, you know, the club identified that struggle and would find that he would get frustrated easily. And that would, you know, that would cause behavior challenges that they had to figure out how to address. And he was hoping that the behavior challenges would keep him out of the academics room and the power hour program in the club. Um, but the team recognized that he that that was just, you know, his his attempt to get out of that work. And they did an assessment with, uh, you know, on social emotional uh, needs of, of this young seven year old. You know, and it was a combination of, of learning um, what his needs were um, and their and the staff's persistent persistence. And throughout their programming um, with in this program supported by our, our grant with MDE, you know, they found that there was a correlation between his social emotional well-being and the academic success circumstance that he was in. So they worked through a plan to address that. Um, and today he's thriving and he's eager to learn. The club's academic and social emotional team continue to, to step forward and helping him, getting him the tools that he needs. You know, and he went, trying, went from trying to avoid that program to seeking it out and saying, hey, can, can we do those adding flashcards? Well, I want to learn today. Um, and he had the, he had all the ability in the world and he just needed a nudge in the right direction. And he's representative of a lot of the kids that come to after school programs is, um, you know, they, they're, they've got the light within them and they just need a little bit of encouragement along the way. And I know that's what clubs do. That's what the Y does. And that's what others do. And so we're just, you know, thrilled to try to highlight uh, the needs of the young people in our programs and how we can better serve them. And, and especially in partnership with our state leaders uh, and elected officials. So appreciate the conversation today, Matt and Fran. Yeah, I think this work at times feels so complicated and it's actually so simple. It's what Matt just said. It's adults reaching out to kids and lifting them up and supporting them to be their best selves. And that is what this is about. And we get so bogged down in all of this stuff. And, you know, you know, Matt distilled it perfectly. That's what it is. It's supporting these kids and giving kids their best lives and building strong kids, strong families and strong communities. So... And, you know, 
I have to say one other thing because I you you asked about tactics on advocacy before, and I think it, it came up at the beginning. You know, what do we need to do to advocate better? And and I'll and I'll share a story from the lieutenant governor in another state. She was on a club tour and she turned to the CEO and in all earnestness said, When you come to the Capitol, please, I beg you, please bring kids. And so Maybe that's our mandate is we need uh, to help elevate youth voice in this conversation and give the kids the tools to, to communicate their needs and opportunities and excitement around the programs they participate in and let them let them help sell for us because that's what our leaders know. Uh, they need they need some of that to, to help them make some of the tough decisions they have to make as well. Amen to that. that. You're speaking our language now. That's Michigan's children's. That's our jam. So <laughs> I love it. Let's work together. Uh, after this call to figure out how to make that happen. We love getting kids engaged and, and bringing them to and putting them in front of uh, lawmakers to tell their stories. And like you said, we've had great success. And your story about the seven-year-old is, is absolutely perfect. And, you, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that's exactly what this is about. And that's not to say that that, that same um, story isn't, being, isn't happening in class, traditional classrooms around the state or around the country, but it isn't for all kids. And so we need to find the opportunities and the places where that we can make more of those stories happen. And, and community-based programs are at the heart and center of that, I, I fully believe. And so oh, you're absolutely right. Well, I want to take this opportunity to thank you again uh, for joining me today. Thank Fran and Fran Talisman from The Wise and, and watch us from the Boys and Girls Clubs. And thank all of you for tuning in and listening. And uh, watch out for us again next month where we'll dig into another issue that's impacting uh, kids and families here in Michigan on our Speaking for Kids podcast. You've been listening to Speaking for Kids, the podcast for Michigan's children with host Matt Gillard. Thanks for joining us. To explore these and other issues relevant to our state's children, youth, and families, and to build your advocacy muscle, go to our website at www.michiganschildren.org. You'll find links and news about past and future podcast topics under our resource tab and action alerts under the Take Action tab. Find and like us on Facebook and Twitter. Terry Bannis and Stephen Wallace produced this podcast. Contact them with your questions and ideas for other topics. Michigan's Children is a nonprofit advocacy organization, an independent voice working to reduce disparities in child outcomes from cradle to career through policy change.